0: Ladies and gentlemen, are you feeling brave? Got a cast-iron stomach, not offended by crime and corruption? Well, come with me and we'll go for a stroll in the dangerous part of town, where society's bad boys hang out. Yes, I'm talking about education. One metaphor works best for this whole disturbing feel. Imagine a really big crime scene filled with walking wounded, people who can't read or count, their brains empty, their thoughts incoherent. We need to figure out who done it and why. Now let's say a wife stages the death of her husband for the insurance. That's an easy one. But public education, the crime scene we are entering, has hundreds of major suspects. Their deeds spread over many decades, the evidence mostly hidden from view. All we know for sure is that millions of Americans have been victims of a crime wave. In 1955, Rudolf Flesh wrote a bestseller titled, Why Johnny Can't Read. To a large degree, Flesh triggered the reading wars and homeschooling. Good reading is so basic, so necessary for even the most elementary education, and it's so easy to test. You put a newspaper in front of a child and say, read this. Then you know everything. Splesch, Rudolf Flesh explained the whole thing. The public schools had stopped using phonics. Kids learn the alphabet and the sounds that the letters stand for. That's phonics. But public school officials were forcing children to memorize words as graphic designs, as we memorize the Nike logo, currency symbols, or UN flags. Smart children with exceptional memories can possibly read with sight words. Ordinary kids are destroyed. By fourth grade, they might learn only a few hundred sight words. All right, so the top educators, i.e. professors of education and superintendents, really goofed. They launched an unproven method, first called look-say and many other aliases. At the time, you might have concluded all this was an innocent mistake. But after flesh explained the misadventure in 150 lucid pages, an odd thing happened. The education mafia went to the mattresses for hold word. Stop right there. What else do you need to know? According to these people, flesh was a malcontent. Our elite educators at Harvard's Graduate School of Education and such were going to make kids learn to read sight words or die trying. Not the educators, it was the kids who would die trying. The main method for teaching children to read in the United States from 1935 until quite recently has been sight words. Even now, many educators pretend to embrace phonics, but children in the first and second grades are forced to memorize so-called dulce words. Does all this discussion seem quaint and academic to you? Quite the opposite. It's raw and ruthless, and children don't recover. This country has 50 million functional illiterates. These people should be reading books for fun. They can't do this. What makes it so poignant is that they have no idea what was done to them or how to escape from the hit. Meanwhile, the experts who did it to them give each other awards, grants, professorships, and million dollar publishing contracts. Crime does pay. Some might call the education establishment a RICO enterprise. I really think this should be pursued. For ideological reasons they decided they didn't want children to be individualistic or competitive. They wanted to make them all more or less the same. Our education establishment bought into leveling and that meant a furtive undercutting of of achievement, knowledge, and even reading itself. You might think that reading is always a good thing. These progressive educators did not agree with you. A book published in 1958 mentions, open quote, public school administrators have gone so far as to assert that they look hopefully for the day when learning to read will not be considered more important than learning to sew or skate, end quote. that doesn't show you what gangsters we're up against, nothing will. I told you this is a bad part of town. Quacks and swindlers lurk everywhere. Ah, oh, look, there's new math, which did for arithmetic what look say did for reading. The boys in the back room must have been proud. But this gimmick, which flourished for a few years around 1964, was so obviously unworkable that the whole country laughed it off the stage. Kids couldn't learn. Parents hated it. New math morphed some years later into reform math, Kids couldn't learn. Parents hated it again. Teachers were bewildered. See a pattern? And now there in the shadows, more bad actors. Open classroom, life adjustment, self-esteem, multiculturalism, relevance, no memorization, bilingual education. The list goes on and on and on. Arguably, every method the top educators really love invariably turns out to be a Ponzi scheme. The important fact is that these gimmicks don't work well and are routinely replaced by their fads. But for a time there, each one is pushed with brutal abandon. Maximum destruction of the kids. Now let's sum up this tour of the crime scene. The media Don't explain the cartel's long and reckless history and its far-left DNA. Typically, the explanations we see are shallow, and you may be left wondering why we have so many problems. So let's cut to the chase. Almost every article written on education for more than 60 years mentions that one-third of fourth graders can't read at grade level. One-third! One-third! So that's this year's batch of functional illiterates that the schools are churn, churning out. There's no excuse. To think about it. Really think about it, and you'll be angry. Good. Now we can start taking back the neighborhood. Thank you. Overview. Let's Fix Education explores seven of my favorite themes. First. This podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. Two, by doing that we will have better schools at less cost. Three, nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. Most people instinctively want traditional education, but the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff, and that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. 4. The big brains in education keep telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. B.B. King, comma, the great guitarist is much smarter, he said. The beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. Five. Lenin's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. Six. If we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of sub-educated students from K-rate right through college. 7. Analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12 runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site, improve-education.org, with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here. And I have hundreds of articles on the Internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.